The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek to Supernatural and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. So, hello, welcome. We are talking about Office Space tonight. I'm very excited. This is part of our the third part of our four-part discussion about movies that became cult classics or were underappreciated, and we're going to be covering them. Like I've said last week, this is going to become an annual thing, so every April is going to be divided between four movies and then four Ryan Murphy things. So April is going to be a fun and interesting month, and I'm very excited because, spoiler alert, one of the movies we are covering next year is Heathers. So I am very excited. I have a feeling there are going to be about 10 alternates on that episode (laughs) because every time I mention it, at least two people get excited. So that will be next year and then a couple of others that I have planned too. Before we get into Office Space and me also, like I've been introducing all of them with some trivia and some facts and, you know, like budget and what it made, just a quick reminder that we are on Patreon and I finally released our first American Horror Story. Three hours and two minutes is the running time of that special bonus episode where we cover seasons one and two. That's why it took me forever. So soon, I've already started re-watching season three. So soon in May, we're going to be recording season three and season four. So look for that. So if you want to follow along on our journey, and then also coming in June or July, we will be releasing one covering a Destiel fanfic So if you want to hear those exclusive episodes, you have to become a Patreon supporter for as little as $3 a month. So head on over to the link on our new website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click on the support us and go there. Or you can buy some more merch that we have too, including it's a Destiel thing. So head on over there with our new logo that I love so dang much. I can't even tell you how much I love our new logo and our new website. I'm just beyond the moon about it. Okay, so I'm going to go around and have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing you're into right now. I was trying to do the alphabet in my head there. I'm like, who am I starting with? Meg! Me! (laughs) Meg, what are you into right now? first. So I was torn about what I was going to talk about, but one will just make me like, uh, right now I'm super into Our Flag Means Death, as is, I feel like, everybody Except Aaron, because Aaron yeah, is busy Aaron. watching everything else. I haven't watched it either. Sorry. Oh except gosh. for me and Paula. It's so good. 
And it's been really interesting to actually watch the conversations that are happening. And it's been kind of heartbreaking, if I'm being perfectly honest, to watch so many um, friends of mine who are LGBTQ watching it and being so apprehensive and so afraid to hope that they weren't being queer baited again. And then even like, even if they know exactly what's going to be going on to have that, to still not believe it. I was like, that just makes me so sad. And then it's so Mm -hmm. happy when yes, gay pirates. Bex turned me on to it. (laughs) But it's really good. And yeah. Yeah, that 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 is sad. That's very very sad. Yes, it was yes, it was sad. heartbreaking to to people to see people like there's non-binary representation. There's there's a lot of representation in there, and to see people be a so excited that they can see themselves on screen because it's so rare for them to be able to see themselves, and then b feel wait for the other shoe to drop while they're watching because. Yeah they've been conditioned for so long to be waiting for the bait and switch. And so, but it's so happy. It's so fun. And Taika Waititi is like, (laughs) even with the beard, I don't like beards, but he is a handsome man. (laughs) Yeah. That's been all anyone has been talking about on my, my Twitter line. So, yeah. So, Paula, I know that's not what you're into because, like me, you haven't watched it yet either. But what are you into? I have been listening to an audiobook. Um, Val Kilmer uh, wrote a memoir called I'm Your Huckleberry. And I've been listening to that recently. It's really good. I've got to listen to that before November. Yes. Because Paula and I are going to be talking about Val Kilmer in November for my birthday. I'm very excited. So, I am too. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to rewatch some of his movies, mm-hmm. especially uh, The Doors and Tombstone and, and Ice Man. Yes, and oh, the volleyball yes. scene. Yes, <laughs> the volleyball scene. Are you gonna watch uh, A Ghost in the Darkness? Yes. <laughs> That's like, I was obsessed with that movie. Plus, because of all of the stuff that went on behind the scenes of that movie. <laughs> so much. I actually saw the lions that are on display in the Field Museum last weekend. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they look pretty, pretty raggedy now. They're, they're kind of gnarly now. <laughs> I mean, they were pretty, like, diseased as it was. Well, in the thing, too, is um, before they ended up to the Field Museum, or at the Field Museum, I talk good English. <laughs> I make good words. They um, when they were when they were originally killed, the um, I think the person that, that killed them um, took them and made them rugs. Michael Douglas. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so when they so when they they had to like they then took those rugs and then taxidermied them into the displays for the museum. So they were really gnarly to begin with. Yeah. Well, and they were sick. Like the reason they they were hunting those people is because like there's an abscess tooth or something, an issue. They were sick, and human beings are just so easy to hunt. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we're very squishy, and we don't run fast. Yeah, Yeah. we're we're actually not at the top of the food chain. (laughs) 
Anyway, I didn't mean to hijack anyway, your Valkyrie. No. I just love a I love a ghost in the darkness. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely talk about that one. And, you know, as you all know, I always root for animals, no matter what. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I root for Cujo. So, <laughs> so Tanya, are you into our flag means death, or is it something else? I am very into this show, um, but I was I will because Meg had to. I always go last and have to have like answer and backup answer. I do love it. I think it's great. It's very fun. I've been trying to get everyone to watch it. I'm working on a steed cosplay because I think, you know, that's who I am <laughs> sort of as a person, despite like in, in our, in my head, I think I'm Blackbeard, but I know I'm steed like much more, you know, you're like, uh, I wish I was like this. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm really like the, I feel the like gentleman. I'm Black Pete. <laughs> Just really yeah. like, not really they're fun they're all fun um but i'll i'm gonna say i finally got to go see the batman um the other day or a week ago or so which was it was three hours it didn't need to be three hours you know we could have like cut out about half of the scenes of him just like looking at things um but it was it was better than i expected so i enjoyed it it was it was fun i don't know if i'd say i'm like ridiculously into it but the only complaint the only beef i really had with it was the penguin i didn't love the way the penguin was portrayed um because i think i'm kind of always associating penguin with gotham and i think that actor did such a good job in gotham and also penguin to me always needs to be sort of trying to be elite or wealthy or kind of upper crust class and this penguin was not portrayed that way at all so it was i don't know it didn't work that didn't work for me but um you know, love our, our pets did a just fine job. Um, not too much of a transition from creepy broody vampire to creepy broody uh, billionaire. So worked out. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it yet. As everybody knows, I love Batman. I don't care Sorry. what he says. That's my favorite. I don't care. Everybody rags on Batman, but I love Batman so much. That's my favorite superhero. My favorite favorite actually, though, is Catwoman. But I love Batman so, so dang much. And I am excited to see it because I've heard so many great things about it from people who love Batman and have said it's actually maybe even better than the Dark Knight trilogy. And so I'll be curious to see if he tops um, Christian Bale for me, which will be very hard, but I'll see. I mean, there nobody were so many jokes I could make in that. <laughs> I was, was going to say, every <laughs> He's definitely not the top of that, if that were something we wanted to talk about. But it, it is good. I will say it's good. Visually, it's amazing. Go see it on a giant screen with good sound. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll probably end up just watching on HBO, sadly. But, but what I'm into is in the realm of true crime on Hulu, there is a series that just started called The Girl from Plainview, which is all about uh, Michelle Carter, who was the teenager who texted her boyfriend and encouraged him to kill himself. And that was Conrad, Con, Conrad Roy, excuse me. And Elle Fanning plays Michelle Carter. And um, I also want to point out Chloe Sevigny, who plays uh, Conrad's mom, who is just amazing. And she deserves so much more respect than I think she sometimes gets. So I just always want to point her out when she's in something. But I think it's it's interesting. I don't know if I'll end up finishing it while it's going on or 10 years down the road because it's me. <laughs> but I liked it. I liked it when I started it. So yeah. So once again, that's on Hulu. And Hulu is just making this space for doing all this true crime, you know, because they're doing the drop and all that. The dropout, I mean, and all that stuff too. So 
Okay, so we're going to talk about Office Space. First, I have some facts and some trivia for you. Office Space was released on February 19th, 1999. It was written and directed by Mike Judge. It's loosely based on the Milton comic that he also did. And of course, Mike Judge is also known for Beavis and Butthead and all of those back in that time. Um, the budget was $10 million. It grossed $10,828,256, which may sound like a lot to you, but it's actually a flop. Um, but compared to uh, Empire Records is the least successful of all the ones we have done in here because Empire Records didn't even crack a million, didn't even crack 500,000. So that's the biggest failure <laughs> of all of these. But this is still a failure, considered a failure, but it's a cult classic now. It's a cult hit. It stars Ron Livingston, of course. And um, all of these people, except for Jennifer Aniston, weren't really known back then. And the reason Jennifer Aniston was cast is because she was they, the studio wanted at least one well-known person. In fact, they wanted Matt Damon, which I'm so glad my judge got his way on this. They wanted Matt Damon to play the lead of this, which, no. So I'm glad Mike Judge won. And so Ron Livingston, David Herman, Ajay Nadu, Jennifer Aniston, Gary Cole, Stephen Root, Diedrich Bader, and Orlando Jones in one of his first roles as Steve, the magazine salesperson. So a couple of trivia facts. The iconic red stapler coveted by Milton was created for the film by the prop department because they needed a bright color, red, that would show up on camera. Swing Line had actually discontinued red staplers, but because of this film, they got so many people wanting them that they started selling them again. Uh, the PC load letter scene was not scripted. David Herman had more lines to say to Ron Livingston, but he was interrupted by the photocopier actually jamming, and he did not understand the words on there, so that the error message meant. Milton was based on a former co-worker that Mike Judge had worked with during his days as an engineer. Um, the co-worker had begun talking one day about how he was going to quit his job because he had been forced to move his desk around too many times. Uh, one of the promotions for this film invited people in certain cities to watch and participate in the bashing of office equipment. There was also an internet campaign that linked to a website where people could expose their bad bosses. I was tempted to do something like that to promote this episode, but I decided not to do it. I should have, but I didn't. Orlando Jones said that he based his character on his little niece who would sell Girl Scout cookies door to door with a poor attitude. <laughs> As of October 2018, the term ass clown was officially entered in Webster's Dictionary, crediting writer Mike Judge for first using it in office space. After poor box office performance, the movie gained cult status on video, and Mike Judge has said that more people talk to him about this movie than any project he has ever worked on. Judge was offered a chance to make a sequel. Thank God this didn't happen. Office Space 2 still renting. Uh, Judge said that because he had been through enough anguish over the first one, he didn't want to put himself through the experience again. So, yes, and there is actually a Funny or Die video where Michael Bolton appears, <laughs> where he's digitally inserted into several scenes from the movie, and he ad-libbed, he changed the line to say, an extremely talented ass clown. <laughs> so I think it's funny that he was able to sort of laugh at himself. So... Yes, and there's a bunch of other trivia. Definitely look it up. Like I said, I mean, that they wanted Matt Damon, which is just, oh, as Peter, which is just ridiculous. 
because Mike Judge said this person should not have star power, star energy. And I mean, I love Ron Livingston so, so much. Uh, and I don't think this film would work without Ron Livingston. And Matt Damon would have been just awful in this role. Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson auditioned for the role of Lawrence, while Kate Hudson was considered to play Joanna. Okay, so let's start talking about Office Space. And I know some of these questions are going to be hard to answer. And feel free in the chat to also give your answers to them as well. I want to know what three of your favorite scenes or lines are, Meg. And I know this is a hard question, but. It is. And I'm like first. So I normally have like a whole bunch <laughs> to whittle away. But I got to say, one of my favorites, and it's not like a big thing or anything like that, but. One of my favorite lines is when Peter goes home and Lawrence hears him through the wall and comes inside and Peter's just like, you ever go into work on a Monday and you're just kind of not feeling great. And someone says, so sounds like somebody has got a case of the Mondays and Diedrich Bader plays this perfectly. And he's like, no shit. No. Like, he gets very visibly, like, yeah. affronted and upset that anyone would do that. And it's just, it makes it so funny to me because he's just like, because it's true. What kind of psychopath does that? I think it's Monday. <laughs> of course. Of course. We don't want to be at work. And that's just one of my my little favorite bits. Anything with the bobs, if I'm being completely honest. But... The line I probably still use most from this because my dad's name is Bob. Or the response is when they're like, it looks like you've been missing a lot of work, Peter. <laughs> just like, I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. And like, these are just favorite little lines. I hated this movie the first time I saw it. Um, I was 14, so I had zero reference to what is basically a documentary. Yes, it is a documentary. About working in an office <laughs> And working in a restaurant. <laughs> um, the jump to conclusions, Matt, that whole, that whole thing is so stupid. And it's like, he knows it's stupid. He's fully aware that the jump to conclusions, Matt, he compares it to Pet Rock. Which the <laughs> fact that that man made that money with a rock is brilliant, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but when he's just like... He's in a full body cast. And he's like, just keep going. And one day you can be as lucky as I am. <laughs> but there's so many. I ha But I don't yeah. want to take them. So I will. Yeah. And, and they actually, uh, fans made an actual jump to conclusions board. So there is a fan yeah. jump to conclusions, which I would love to get that. And the, the scenes where he's in the full body cast were the first things he shot and they didn't have anyone to do that. So they had to hire like an EMT to come and put him in a full body cast and then take it out. So, oh my yeah, God. That poor I know. man. <laughs> I know. But yeah. Like that. And of course beating the shit out of the, the fax well, machine yes, is iconic. Yes. Like all of the musical cues is amazing are amazing, I think. So Paula, what are three of your favorites? Yeah. <laughs> like you said, there are so many great scenes. I just watched this again last night and a lot it, it's still relatable. <laughs> I've never really worked in an office setting, so I didn't watch this film when it first came out because I didn't think, you know, it's not gonna be relatable. But this is kind of my go-to film when I am super stressed. And there's two scenes in particular <laughs> that I love. 
And if nothing else, I just watched these. The opening scene <laughs> with the traffic, especially yes. Samir beating the crap out of his steering wheel, <laughs> and, steering wheel and cussing, <laughs> cracks me up every time because we've all been there. And the beating the, the copier machine because who doesn't want to just beat the crap out of a copier machine with a baseball bat sometimes? Well, and if you're not, if if you didn't live through it, it's really hard to understand just how busted and like, did you see the computers? Oh God, that takes me back. They what? had floppy disks. I know. When and he's I'm playing like, Tetris, I'm like, too. oh my God. <laughs> it's like, I think like I... those things lasted forever, but the maintenance was intense. Yeah. Well, the great thing about this movie though, is even, even though I never worked in an office setting like that all of those um all of those character types and all of those just ridiculous things that they're making fun of are still relatable no matter what job you have mm-hmm. so um <laughs> but the other the other one um is one of my favorite lines is just lumberg just comes around you know that'd be great <laughs> um yeah. yeah so yeah <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> but yeah there's just it was hard to pick. Yeah, <laughs> it's just hard. so many. It, and it's and it's it's one of those with the case of the monies. It's one that, yeah, nobody says that except when we're doing it sarcastically because we're quoting the movie and we do it to each other because of that. Yeah. That's the only time it's acceptable. Yeah, because you yeah. have to say it in that very exact tone. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you sound like a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have no, if the person you're saying it to hasn't seen the movie, you sound like a crazy person. No matter yeah. what. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> So Tanya. Yeah, I actually saw this movie in the theaters when it came out and I was surprised that it wasn't as it wasn't a bigger deal because it really resonated with me. And I'll say more about that in a minute. But first, before I get too far into my favorite scenes, I gotta say, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Anyway. <laughs> just, that. That's the best use of that song. It's uh, yeah. It's Isn't like it the dream so if you work in a cubicle to just yes. take a drill and <laughs> yes. just push uh-huh. the wall? I down? love that when he pushes the wall and the cut gutting the fish gutting in the, the cubicle. Fish, yes. And then um, of course PC low letter, what the fuck does that mean? Is classic. And then I love Milton in this. Um when he's they're passing the cake out. They have a cake for Lumberg's birthday and they're passing around the cake and he tries to keep, all he wants is a freaking piece of cake and a stapler. This poor guy. And, you know, he's just muttering the whole time. And he's like, you have to pass it, Milton. And he's just like, and there's no cake Don't left. Be and he's like, yeah. He's just like, well, okay, I could burn the building down, you know, <laughs> just his little, and then the scene where he's finally Lumberg has him in the boiler room in the basement and is telling him to take care of the cockroaches. And he leaves and he turns off the lights. And so Milton's just sitting in the dark and he just goes, okay, but that's the last straw. <laughs> just, it's all the same tone. So it's wonderful. But I did work in an office in uh, the 90s while I was in college, several. And my boss dressed almost exactly like Lumberg. Not Gary Cole's a good looking man. So my boss was not attractive. <laughs> like, But the shirts with the collar, like the white collar and the matching tie suspenders, yeah, that was like, I don't know if they all went to the same store in the 90s or there was only one store for, for that or what, but it was Gordon yeah, Gecko chic. Yeah, 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 just really, you know, and, and the whole like, the fact that I don't know if he's ever in a scene without his coffee mug. That's pretty great. 
And then the scene where Peter's having a dream, a nightmare about Joanna sleeping with Lumberg, and he's got the glasses and the coffee, and he's got her foot. And he's just like, yeah, if you could go ahead and move. Okay, yeah. All right, that's, that's. And Peter, I'm going to need you to come in. (laughs) Oh, it's so messed up. It's great. It's the least sexy sex scene you'll ever see. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to say Gary Cole, I guess there was originally a scene where his character gets up where Lumber gets upset because of what happened to his Porsche and he gets really like loudly angry. And Gary Cole is like, no, I don't think Lumber should ever break this. Just this calm, (laughs) just this one tone where it's just like, even, I mean, that birthday scene, the way everybody's singing happy birthday, it's, it's the most, it's just like no joy just you know just like robots basically so yeah i think you know of course the smashing the printer i I know everybody's already mentioned it but that is just so iconic because i don't think a lot of people like you said meg really get how frustrating messages like that were and how you would sit there and you'd fix them and you'd still keep having problems and issue after issue. And especially fax, when faxes would get jammed and then you have to get them sent. Or when you'd get calls from fax machines. <laughs> That's the other. Or one number off. Yes. And they kept <laughs> doing it over and over again. And you're like, you're calling the wrong number. And it's, yeah, that was always frustrating. And with the opening scene, <laughs> the part that always cr- gets me and cracks me up and says so much about white people is when Michael Bolton, he's playing the rap music and then he sees a black man approaching and he locks his door and turns the music down. And then the second the man goes past him, he turns it back up. And that says everything right there without, you know, being like too uh, overly abrupt about, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that with Steve, the magazine salesperson with the fact, you know, that, just just little things like that that are subtly placed in there that I think are so really clever and say no a one lot being able to about, say Samir's last name yeah that and everything uh, I mean just little little clever things but I just like that because it's one of those like oh yeah that's a shocker because people still do that that's not like something that has changed at all so yep and then the first meeting with the Bobs I think is just great because it's one of the first times you're seeing Peter being really relaxed. And the way the Bobs react to Peter is so typical of what happens when you work in an office. And there are people that do the bare minimum and they seem to get everything and get away with everything. And then the people that work their butts off get like nothing. And so just the fact that the Bobs are so impressed with him is just, (laughs) and then watching them when they're talking to Lumberg and Lumberg is insulting Peter and the, the anger, like Bob, just, just, (laughs) how dare you, how dare you insult their golden boy? (laughs) I just love that because their anger that you can see coming up is so hilarious. I love the gutting the fish. We already mentioned that, but I love that a lot. And the playing Tetris. I just love that he's sitting there playing Tetris and he's eating like Cheetos. And and when Lumber comes by and he's just like, okay, well, and then Peter walks away. I've got a meeting with the Bobs. And he's like, okay, well, we'll get this fixed for you. (laughs) It's kind of like he doesn't even know what to say anymore. I just, I think it's just so funny, but really I think basically every scene in this movie you could pick as a favorite. So, yeah. 
Now this one, I, I know this one is probably, maybe, maybe this one's harder. I don't know. But Meg, who is your favorite character in this movie? My favorite character? I'm. It's Milton. Like, I... I love him so much. He's so ignored. The poor man is just, he keeps his head down. He just he listens. <laughs> and I love that they laid him off, but they kept paying him and he just kept coming to work. And rather than do anything, like we just fixed the glitch. So he, they're going to let him still work there as long as he, as long as he, he's just, He's so overlooked and overshadowed all the time by everybody. And then, yeah, when you, Tony was saying, when he's like, I'm, I can put this building down. And then what do you know? The burn, the building burns down and he like hustles off to Mexico and he's doing the same shit in Mexico. He's just like, I asked for a margarita with no salt. No. <laughs> there are big chunks. Like he's just, he's just. I don't know. Like, he's not a great character or anything like that, but he's just very entertaining for me. And I feel like I, my initial thing is like, well, Peter, because like he's cute, on, like honestly. But he's. Because <laughs> he's cute. He's cute. No. He is I've cute. Been, I have been sick all week, you guys. But no, I just love Milton. I love. I love, I hate to say this, I love how neglected he is. I, not because it's good, but this movie does a really interesting job of kind of, like, Bill not being able to fire Peter, who's obviously not doing his stuff because people above him want it. Like, how powerless middle management actually is in a lot of situations. And then how they tend to take that powerlessness out in other ways on people like Milton who they're like, we're just going to start storing stuff on your desk. Milton, is that an issue? I'm going to take your stapler. I'm going to put you in a storage closet and I'm going to completely dehumanize you bit by bit by bit. And then Milton gets his revenge. And like, <laughs> that's who doesn't want the little guy to win. Yeah. Not no, that no, Lumberg's I... a big guy, but <laughs> yeah. 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 And Beck says her favorite is definitely Peter and swears it's not just because of the not just <laughs> not just but, but that's factor. part of the reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I wonder, think about this, Bex. Matt Damon's playing Peter. Would Peter still be your favorite character? <laughs> He's so much smarter, Everybody's shaking I feel like. their head. Yeah. So Paula, who's your favorite character? Well, I mean, I <laughs> I was going to say Milton too, because for all the reasons Meg said, so I'll go with my, my second favorite Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because he's just, I mean, okay, honestly, who wouldn't want a neighbor like that? <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's fun. And he, he, he will just tell you straight up <laughs> how it is. He'll get you a job. He'll get you a fishing. job. He'll take you fishing. He'll tell you, tell when, you the when the breast exam commercials. Yeah, tell you when the good stuff's on TV. <laughs> I mean, and if you're if you're screwing up somebody's life, hey, I don't want any part of that. Just leave me out of that. But but I'll keep your secrets. <laughs> so I mean, a good friend. It's a great friend. So we'll go, we'll go with we'll go with Lawrence as my second favorite. Yeah, that's good. I still just I love the scene where they're all plotting. He's like, "Don't worry, right. Peter. I won't say anything, man." Who's that? <laughs> it's okay. He's cool. He's the best neighbor, though. Like, he really is. He's a 
a great neighbor. If you have to have such thin walls, it's great to have a neighbor who's like, chill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's there, but he's not like too much there. He just wants to be a part of things. Yeah, he just But yeah. not too much. He's 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 a buddy. He's you know, he's good, but yeah. yeah. And also, Milton did get his stapler back at the end. So, you know, yay for the little As guy. was only right. Exactly. <laughs> so, Tanya, who's your favorite? Yeah, this is not fair. Because um, it was Milton, then it was Lawrence. Um, so I'm going to say just, both of those. That's fine. Yeah, those two for sure. But I'm going to shout out. I, I thought Jennifer Anderson was great in this. I really, I, I don't like Friends and I never watched Friends. But I thought she was excellent. And it was nice to see her in that role. So I like Joanna quite a bit um, in the whole flair business, but I want to, I'm going to shout out for the guy, the chip. I don't know the waiter who's like, <laughs> like the, that's so annoying that guy. Cause every time he shows up, you're just like, Oh, I hate you. And um, also Orlando Jones in the, in that, that little cameo. So I'll shout out for those two. I do think it would have been really tough not to have, um, Lumberg be so good as a, as a as a bad guy that you're just like oh this is just he's not evil but he's just so uh yeah so he's uh th that's right up there for me yeah well I think it's really interesting when we've done these so far uh with dazed and confused everybody pretty much except for once a couple of people said everybody's like okay I'll say somebody else everybody was pretty much saying Slater for that for Empire Records, we all pretty much said Joe, and that had changed. When we became adults, we all said Joe, um, and that had changed from who it was before. But I just think it's interesting that with all of these, most of us have the same opinion. Um, but I, so just to shout out some different, I'm going to go ahead and shout out Peter, because this movie would not work without Peter, and I love Peter. And I, you know, his overreaction with, with Joanna when he thinks she slept with Lumberg is his one downfall, but I kind of get it. I mean, you know, this is like kind of like his arch nemesis, <laughs> really. And to learn that the woman that he respects and loves might have slept with him when she didn't, it, it, I understand that will affect you. But, you know, but he's just so, Ron Livingston is so dang good at this role because you may think on the surface that there's not much required of this, but there's a lot required in this role because he's kind of playing the straight guy, but kind of not. And he has to do so much without doing so little. And he has to play that switch after the hypnosis so easily that it, that you believe it, that you believe that he would all of a sudden do this and it fits his character so well and watching him, struggle and watching like when when they when the glitch happens they have all that money in the bank and when he goes and he slips the note under the under the door of Lumberg's office and then two seconds later he's back there he's like no 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 it's like okay guess I'm just gonna have to live with this now I'm going to prison so just all of that and just little things that he does and the fact you know in the beginning he's just this guy who just can't ever stand up for himself can't ever say anything in his defense and watching him finally be able to do that and the fact that his girlfriend is cheating on him and everybody gets this feeling and you know, says i just get the feeling she's cheating on you <laughs> it's just and then the fact that she says i know i've been cheating on you <laughs> I love that. So I just I think he's he's a great character. So shout out to him. And and he is nice to look at too. So yeah. 
Okay, so this, of course, is relatable, I think, for, as we've said, for office work, restaurant work, really any work. But I want to talk about the office work first, because I know, Meg, you started liking this movie after you worked in an office, right? Because it's a documentary. (laughs) Yeah, well, so I was, like I said, I was 14 when this movie came out, so I didn't really have a lot of reference. And let me tell you, the first time I saw this movie... Okay, Meg, you're young. You're young. We get it. We get it. Basically an infant. (laughs) you guys god um, i feel so old right now the first time i watched this movie though i came into it about 10 minutes into it so i missed the very crucial scene of him getting hypnotized oh you did oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> wow talk about yeah that's bad and i'm just watching it and i was like what the why is, what is happening and i and, and i remember thinking i was like there's no freaking way that offices are actually like this like these people actually exist I was wrong. Every office, and I, I worked in offices for just under 20 years. I've been I've worked in an office environment, cubicle farms, the whole shebang, blah blah. Every single place I've ever worked, every department I've ever worked in, these people exist. The way too perky on the phone person, the just a moment, they're real. <laughs> And that's when I really was able to start appreciating not just the movie, but Peter and Michael and Samir as characters and with their dealing with being a cog in a machine that does not care about you. And like, it's one of those things where now I'm older watching it and I find it really, really funny also, but I actually find it very sad and like frustrating because it's true. People are not meant to be sitting in little cubicle farms staring at a computer all day and not being, and I mean, basically being worked to death. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I'm going to wait for Tanya to talk about that later. <laughs> she, she's going to talk um, about when it's her turn. That's when I'm going to keep her to talk about Yeah. But the the whole idea of of having eight bosses and anytime you make a mistake, there are eight people there who are going to tell you that you made that mistake. That is the realest part about that whole thing for me, because there's nothing better when you fuck up than to have all these other people continually reminding you that you did it and then not listening to you say, yeah, so-and-so already told me I it's taken care of and having to have to do that over and over and over again. And the inane policy changes like the, the TPS reports and all of this, like all of it's all, it's too real. I can't handle it. It's too real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's what made it, made me appreciate the comedy of it so much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Beck said she was a senior in high school and had already worked in an IT office. Yeah. When I was in high school, I, I went and did like, file clerk work at uh that where my mom worked the law office that my mom worked at but i would Mm. usually go in there like on a saturday and i'd be like the only one in the office usually but sometimes i'd go in there in the summer i'd be in there during the weekdays but yeah so and my my dad was was a office yeah my dad was a computer programmer during the lead up to y2k i remember him working like crazy so the idea of having to come in on saturday but I like these guys are all salaried, so they're not even getting overtime or anything mm-hmm. for it, and they're getting paid a pittance. But I just remember the Y two K freaking out, like 
we all thought every the world was just going to end yes. because the two zeros, man. We and then nothing happened. That was I. I remember. Oh man, I remember that time so. Yeah, so I remember my dad was like, "Well, creepy. my dad's always been like, well, nothing happened because we did all that prep work." And I'm like, "Sure, Dad, you made a shit ton of money consulting, and then you retired. <laughs> you didn't work for six months." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. So Paula, I know you said you've never worked in an actual office office setting. But yeah. How? But I know it's relatable still for you. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked in management a little bit. Again, like not in an, in that type of an office setting, and uh, uh, but even even still, again, all of this is still relatable, no matter what type of job you have. Like I said, uh, the the disgruntled employees, the the, the people that don't pull their weight and do their job, but yet get away with everything. The, you know, multiple bosses that you're answering to that are either all piling on you when you do something wrong or all giving you contradictory, you know, information, the people that are coming in and, and, and um, deciding if you're doing your job efficiently and, you know, those types of things, you know, all of it's still relatable no matter what type of job you have, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Carla. Carla, hi. hi like Carla. Carla just said, you know, Carla said she's only ever worked in small companies, but these things are all true no matter the size of your employer. And it's nice that it's consistent across the miserable <laughs> board. <laughs> well, I think what's so messed up too when you talk about the multiple supervisors who are always quick to tell you when you do something wrong, if you do something exceptional that saves your company a bunch of money or is really efficient, nothing. Yeah, usually yeah. you do not. Yeah, you yeah. don't have eight people telling you what a great job you did. Normally, what you do is you find out that your boss got the credit for it in a meeting with the whole staff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's <laughs> yeah. very very yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yay! Good work. <laughs> so Tanya, yes, give it are to you us. ready? Yes. Okay, ready. Marxist rant, sociological <laughs> rant. Like when I first saw this, I was in an undergrad and reading Marx. So, you know, take all of this past me stuff with a grain of salt. But for real, rewatching it this week, I thought, yeah, this is exactly the reason this is so soul sucking and like demoralizing in, in terms of work. You could interpret this through a Marxist lens. So this movie works as a Marxist critique of an advanced capitalist society and what the nature of work is in that. Okay, I know you're not ready. You're not here for a lecture, but you're going to get one. Um, so <laughs> Marx, as you know, uh, you know, was famous for saying workers are going to rise up and and institute socialism and et cetera, and then we'd have communism. But one of his, I would say, outside of you know, some academic circles, his lesser known theories were about the problems with work in an advanced capital or in a capitalist society were that people who are doing the work, workers, are alienated from the product, which means we can't choose what we make or, you know, we don't have control over that. We're alienated from the process. So we don't get to decide when we go to work, when we go home, right? That's all because we have to commodify ourselves as a commodity in terms of labor. That's all decided by someone else. We're alienated from like the tools of production, meaning, you know, Peter doesn't own his desk, his cubicles. And that's why it's so great when he sort of takes some ownership over it and unscrews the, the screws, right? And plays Tetris and whatever. And then this is the real key of this movie for Marx, Karl Marx. Work was 
what it means to be human. So having, being able to do work that we choose is how we express what Marx called, um, uh, what Marx called our species being. So Peter is very, very much, and the other workers here are alienated from their species being because they, they're essentially, this is stripping a worker of what it means to be human because we can't work on what we would choose to. And so when Peter, um, his very, his attitudes, like, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. He's trying to say, like, I want to have meaning in my life, but this whole context, this whole apparatus is just designed to make me a cog in a machine as, as we all, you know, get, I, we all get that feeling. So Marx thought back to theory for a sec, once we got to communism, we would essentially have robots that would do everything for us. And we would be able to do whatever we want all day, which would be art, creativity, expression, like, you know, basket weaving, whatever. And I'm not kidding. Like that's, that's sort of like what he actually thought was going to happen. We didn't get there, but that alienation from species being, you can really see this like that. Peter doesn't know what he does. He doesn't care. He has zero investment. It doesn't matter how hard he works. I actually, for many, many years, put Peter from this show in my slides <laughs> and tried to like talk when we talk about bureaucracy and social, because from the other side, another theory in social, the reason this that this is universal is some of the problems of a bureaucracy, right? And the Peter principle is not named after our Peter. That sounds bad. It's not named after this Peter, <laughs> your Peter, our Peter. I don't know who it's named after, but I'm pretty sure the, <laughs> yeah, the, the Peter principle, I believe, I, I hope I'm not mixing this up, but it's basically this theory in bureaucracy that people will rise to their level of incompetence. So I think we see this in Lumberg, right? Like you, you get promoted to a point where you're actually not very good at your job anymore, but they can't like demote you. So you just kind of hit this level. And I mean, how many like people have we seen like that? Not to be like, you're good enough to get to here, but you're actually not very competent at this job. Um, so that's the Peter principle. And I think we see that too. So I'll stop with my lesson unless you, unless you want well, more. I think, like, I think that's so interesting because so many people yeah. are like, my boss can't do my job. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And yeah. And we're seeing, I think, with a lot of the workers, like, like you're like, we didn't quite get there. And I'm just like, yet. Yet. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I think because of COVID, a lot of people are starting to realize how true. And, and I do think, I mean, mm -hmm. yes, this is a comedy, but I do think a big reason Mike Judge made this movie is exactly what you're saying, Tanya. That was, I think, his big influence. I mean, the reason he, had three three restaurants that are all pretty much the same all right near the office is because every office park he had ever been at looked the same did the exact same so it all mm -hmm. kind of repeats this kind of mold just like the suburbs you know where you know where you have the houses build up in like two seconds flat and they all look alike so i think it all kind of fits into that well, yeah even the names of all the the companies were all yeah almost identical in a tech and innovac and in and, and a trillion and Absolutely. In, in a trove or whatever. Yeah. What and this was true for you young folks. Like I was, this is a very Gen X movie. And there were a lot of movies yeah, like is. this at the very, time that were X. sort of expressing existential ennui and, and distress at the state of, 
you know, the blandness of, of modern suburban bureaucratic life. Okay, there we go. But there's all the words I know. Um, but it just, yeah, we, I, I remember we lived in this kind of slightly suburban area of Madison and we had to drive past a building and it was called in a, in a trope. It was very similar. It could have been one of the names. Exactly the building you're this. talking about. Yeah, it's on, um, <laughs> It's uh, south of the Beltline. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's still there, but yeah, we used to live over there. Okay. So anyway. No, I used to live on the then, Far East Side, so we drove by it a lot. Mm -hmm. so. And then uh, we would go visit our friends who lived in the Chicago suburbs. And every time you see an interior of like Peter's apartment or their apartments that are next to each other, it, it just, I can't. It's so accurately what that was like. And even Peter's like um, computer books and things like that. Like my husband had all of those. And yeah, just the, the depressed, the, I don't know, the dread of like going to another Applebee's again and just like having them shove, try to shove, um, you know, personality at you, but it's so canned and it's so phony. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah. And I heard TGI Fridays trivia. I saw cause I read all the Wikipedia. Um, discontinued their flair requirement after this movie <laughs> yeah well gunther tooties here didn't so because that was another that's another one that requires that kind of stuff I, and i agree with this being very gen x and i think every movie we're covering this in this four part is very gen x even dazed and confused even though dazed and confused takes place in the 70s it's still a very gen x movie because the time it was released and the majority of people that ended up attaching themselves to it and of course empire records is so gen x and the last movie that we're talking about pump up the volume is the most gen x of all the movies we're talking about because a lot of the things in these movies i don't think i mean i think older millennials can but i don't think a lot of people there's certain things that you can't relate to in the same way and as i've said i think gen x were kind of the forgotten generation and i think that's what a lot of these movies are speaking to too so yeah yeah i agree because even because you know i think people too often throw off comedies and don't think that they're trying to say anything meaningful. And this is definitely trying to say something meaningful. It's trying to say this isn't what we're supposed to be doing as human beings. Yeah, and, I actually yeah, agree. Meaningful. I think it's it's honestly a fairly brilliant commentary on kind of late stage capitalism and, and, mm -hmm. and where we are, where we just yeah, we've said it before. We're all cogs in a machine. It reminds me a lot of the whole I Love Lucy thing where she's trying to keep the literal cogs going and knowing it's just, but yeah, I'm an elder millennial or geriatric millennial, millennial is what they call us. Yeah, you're right there on the. I am. Uh, yeah, I'm a exennial, I guess is the proper term, but even that I'm on the cusp of because I rem like Empire Records was one of my favorite movies growing up, but that's a whole other thing. But I do think this, I think this movie is absolutely trying to say something. And I think it says it fairly clearly. I think that's why it became a cult classic. Yeah, it's, and it's so dang real. Because when this movie came out, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on, on video. But I was working in, in mortgage at the time. And I was working in a mortgage office. And it was a small office. And it was an office where we were actually really close. We were friends. We, like, had monthly get-togethers and it was like if it really was like a family honestly when it closed down it was very heartbreaking and upsetting and and i will say it was a company that um for a lot in a lot of ways treated its employees fairly wage wise um i started there as a receptionist moved up very quickly and the salary moved up with me and they did and when they did lay us off they gave us like 
a few months notice, which is very rare and a very nice severance package and, you know, and stuff. And so it was very, uh, you know, nice in that way, but there were still the office politics as well. There were still the things of we would have people that weren't working as hard as the others and they would get away with it and that, that kind of thing. Or you'd have like, you know, I'm, everybody on here knows how my, my work ethic with this. And I would, I always get to places early and I happen to be late a couple of times during a week, like five minutes late or something. And I got reamed and I'm like, I stay late. I work through my lunch. And so it's that. So even though it was a great place to work, there was still that kind of thing of like, you still had that office politics there. So the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, well, now I want to talk about the relatability for restaurant. I have never worked in a restaurant. I've worked in food work and I've worked in, of course, I've said Blockbuster before and a couple of other places like Baskin Robbins and stuff, which uh, that's why I won't eat Baskin Robbins ice cream. Um, so <laughs> I don't think they've ever sponsored us. So, <laughs> so Meg, uh, did you work at restaurants? I have worked in many restaurants. I started working when I was 14 years old. Um, and my first job was in like a little mom and pop restaurant in Madison. That was like Popcornopolis, Chicago deli. <laughs> I would bike there. Um, but that was so much different than when I went to work at Red Robin or when I went to work at Noodles and Company. I never worked at Fridays because it was too far for my parents to ever drive me to work. But the fake jovality jovialness i don't know the fake joy that you're supposed to be spouting on and i personally think everybody should have to work in service industry in some form everyone should have to have to work in customer service because i feel like there can be zero chance that anyone would treat customer service representatives or wait staff or any other human being the way that so many people treat service workers and especially like seeing the stuff post covid like a year ago, these were our essential workers and our heroes, and now we're still going to be able to just shit all over them like they're not people. But that's a whole, that's a different podcast. Um, but I did find it really relatable. I remember having the boss who's just like, now you got to remember, these are all the cheers and the birthday songs that you have to remember. This is, and the scheduling nightmares, like we used to have one schedule in the back that would say something. I actually got fired because of this. <laughs> one schedule in the back would have one, would say one thing. The schedule in the front would say something completely different. And every manager I would talk to would tend me to go to a different one. And I didn't show up for a shift and I got fired for a no call, no show. And I was just like, I'm not on the schedule. And like, no, you're on that one over there. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I never dealt with flair personally, but my sister had to deal with it. And she was very much like, Jennifer Aniston is in this is like, if you want me to wear more than 15 pieces of flair, make the minimum more, 
15 pieces of flair. And that's the most infuriating thing about that whole thing. Like, why even have a minimum? Yeah. Like, the idea of, like, express yourself. Like, this is me expressing myself, doing the bare minimum, because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> and Carla forgot she worked at a movie theater. That's the I, second time you have forgotten that, Carla. I want to remind you of that. <laughs> I used to work at a movie theater, too. They used to let us take the giant popcorn tubes home at the end of the night. And it yeah. was so much more popcorn than you'd think. Yeah. When I was working at Blockbuster, my roommate, this was right after high school, my roommate worked at a movie theater. So we would get a lot of our meals between those two places. It's like the sweat food we took. Oh, that's how I saw that's how I saw Lord of the Rings before it came out was because I worked in a movie theater. Yeah, we got to see so many things. It was great. Yeah, it was Uh, awesome. So, Paula, did you ever work at a restaurant or any Uh, kind of customer service thing? I worked at a McDonald's for about six months. (laughs) So it was a whole different kind of actually look, I'll I'll just say it. That was actually one of the best jobs I ever had. Because I worked the night shift, so I didn't have to deal with a lot of this stuff during the day. Oh. So, yeah. So, it's not quite so relatable in that respect, but uh, um, but I've worked customer service in retail. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, very relatable there. Yeah, people are awful, man. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, it, yeah. Did you have – well, that's interesting because – so did you work, like, at the overnight shift then at McDonald's? Like, it was, like, over, well, they they didn't, 24, well, they they didn't, 24 they didn't. They didn't do the overnight 24-hour thing at that point. Um, So we closed at – I worked from, like, 5 to, like, 10 o'clock. So it was, oh, like, a part-time okay. thing because um, I was in between full-time jobs at that point. And uh, I think our lobby closed at like nine o'clock and then at 10 o'clock at the drive-thru closed. And so, and that was right around the time that like scream had come out. So we got a lot of kids coming through the drive-thru going, what's up, you know, that, and it was just, you'd stand there and roll your eyes like, hi, <laughs> you know, and you still got to be friendly and cheerful. And do you want fries with that? Yeah. You know, so, so that kind of thing, but you know. Yeah, there, there's an episode of um, this is really taking back of Freddy's Nightmares, the the series that used to be on about the, the Freddy Krueger series, and there was an episode all about someone who worked an overnight shift at a fast food place, and it was really creepy. Actually, I, I think they're going to be they released that on some streaming service. I don't remember. So anyway, that just I don't know why, but that made me think of that. So yeah, this this right here from Bex. I, I once had a manager who made us answer the phone. Bookstore name. I can help you. Oh, that's so annoying. Uh, oh. Well, that's awful. Yeah. That's well. so cringy. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, yeah, those that's... kinds of things. Because you always had those like scripted lines that you'd have to say when you'd be talking to some in the drive-through, when they come to your window, or when you're answering a phone. And those are those are you know, one. Your customer really just wants to get their order out, or talk to you, or ask you their questions. So they really don't have time for that. And your employees really hate having to ask them because they know your customers don't want to hear it either. So please stop making your <laughs> employees do that. Yeah, just I, a moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Tanya, have you ever worked at a restaurant or any retail? I have. Yeah. Not re- not really retail, but yes, my first job was working at a, a root beer stand, but it was kind of like, uh, it was a small kind of like A&W, but not the brand. Um, and I was a cook, like a fry cook. So that was, uh, yeah, that was an experience. And then I was, I was also a hostess and a waitress in a 
kind of a restaurant in my town in high school. And yeah, it just, it was just awful. Like, I mean, I hated it because customers would be like, what's good here? And I'm like, listen, you're at what is essentially a Denny's in rural Wisconsin. And you're here because it's the only restaurant around for a hundred, you know, I don't know, 20 miles. What's good here? You know, a cheeseburger. I don't know, man. It's not like we have something amazing that I'm going to know about or with like, like you are here here for food that you don't have to cook. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, I'm not going to be like, well, how about the blackened salmon with, you know, Brussels? I don't know. It's like, what do you, yeah. well, and what's I, good here? I worked in a mom and pop. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I worked in a mom nothing and pop shop. Go somewhere like, else. Yeah. There's nothing good. You want a fried egg? That would be, that's what we can right. give you. But I worked in a mom and pop, like a very, very small restaurant. I worked in a chain restaurant. Like, a, like I said, I worked at Red Robins for a little while and I've also worked in a hotel restaurant and they're, like such vastly different experiences, but they all have the same kind of underlying stuff that we see in office space. Like you have that boss. that's just like, always make sure that the cost, if you're having a good time, the customer's having a good time and it doesn't matter how terrible they are to you. You are having a great time. (laughs) And it's always this, but it was, Yeah. Well, yeah. And then if you're, you know, if you're a, yeah, a young woman, it, you get pretty much, you get sexually harassed. Like the whole, your whole, like I was, and you I know this now. Yeah. I didn't understand it at the time, but essentially I would be sexually harassed by customers and other employees. And I was like, yeah, that was messed up. I wouldn't let people treat me that way now. And I wouldn't let my, anybody treat my daughter that way. You know, it's just like, why was that okay? And like, you felt like you had to be like smile for the customers and all of that. And you're like, this is, this is screwed up. This is not how it should be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the sexual harassment stuff that's, cause I know I was told a, a couple times when I worked at Blockbuster, if somebody would call on the phone, I've been told this before, they would say, Oh, how much, how much do I owe you? Do you want my credit card number right now? Like one 900 number, like they were calling a sex hotline. I get that all the time. A lot. That happened to me a lot, a lot, a lot because of my phone voice. And so they just, I would hear that all the time. And at the time I just kind of laughed it off and was like, whatever. But I think that stuff happens a lot more than I think, you know, we, we, we want to admit and we're we're slowly starting to try and admit it, but we aren't really because it still happens. And I mean, when the Me Too movement started, there were also, you know, a lot of people in hotels and restaurants and stuff were talking about all the stuff that had happened to them and how that's very rarely talked about. But yeah, I mean, the way like waitresses are talked to by patrons and, you know, at bars when people are going to bars and they're getting really drunk and they're which I'm not using as an excuse. I'm just saying they're getting really drunk and people having to deal with that and all of that, that kind of stuff. But I do agree. I think everybody should have to work some kind of customer service job in their lifetime because yeah, I think if you work that and you still treat customer service workers like crap, then, well, then you're just a crappy person to begin with because yeah do you, do you know that that they they updated um dante's inferno and they added another layer of hell for people who are rude to customer service no, i'm just kidding but, yeah i mean they, they should. should they should, that should absolutely yeah. be a yeah. thing I, 
it's such a massive lesson in empathy because like I've 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 worked so many jobs. I've worked retail, I've worked Black Fridays and mm-hmm. toy stores, talk about upselling. I used to work at Best Buy. I've done so many jobs and you can always tell the people who had worked in customer service. Yes. Um, or had work in the food industry or something like that versus especially in, in wait staff they're always better tippers they're way more patient if there's an issue going on and they're not giant assholes if something mm-hmm. goes wrong with the food like i'm sorry that your steak was cooked too much i had nothing to do with that there's no reason to yell at me <laughs> but mm-hmm. you can always tell those people and i think it's so i think it'd be so important for people to have to to have to do that just to understand how hard it is it's not unskilled labor it's not if it was unskilled we wouldn't need people to do it (laughs) everything is a skill yeah no i agree i'm gonna go on my own little rant it's not gonna be as smart as tanya's and talk about studies or anything it's just gonna be me bitching about customer service people (laughs) no it's true i mean the way people yeah i think it says a lot about a person yeah i I think people don't really can don't talk to people in customer service like they're human beings they forget that that's a person and it's really gross and you know we were we did a live tweet of the movie fresh last uh friday and there is an opening scene where she's going on a date with a guy who's just, oh, God, the worst guy ever. And then he's, like, really rude to the wait staff. Like, goes like this, you know, that finger snapping and and calling and says to, says to you know, well, do you understand what I'm actually saying? Do you? And I said, that's how you can tell. You can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat the wait, uh, wait staff. If they treat the restaurant staff like they're human beings and talk to them nicely, then I think that's a good person. If you're going to talk to somebody like they're less than you, then I don't think you're a good person. That's why I've never understood that thing of like, you have to, you can't hang out with someone who's not making the same amount of money as you are. You can't date someone like that, or you can't, that kind of snobbery. I don't know. I just, I've never understood that. So yeah, it's just, I want to know because it's asked a lot of times in here and granted, a million dollars doesn't, which is it's so weird to say this, but a million dollars doesn't get you as much as it used to. But what would you do if you had a million dollars, Meg? I would buy you a green dress, but not a real <laughs> green dress. That's cool. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. That's the best answer right there. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be that. Nope. <laughs> That's all I've been able to think about is that song over and over and over again. And now but I'm sad that that, that did not cross my mind. True. And now I, know, I have to go listen too, to man. it. I know. I'm like <laughs> trying to come up with the other lines, but yeah. I'd be rich. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that song. Um, no, it's kind of sad. If I had a million dollars right now, I would probably make sure my kids had college funds taken care of pay off my mortgage and I, like, I would not do very much i would take a trip probably but in general it would be like i would pay off my mortgage so that's something i don't have to worry about so i don't have to worry about what job i have so much because that's a huge expense taken care of and my kids college being paid for is a huge expense taken care of for them and for me um but yeah, other than that, I would be like, oh, let's go to Europe. That'll be fun. I would go to Disney Disney World once on a million dollars. 
and feel free to answer too, Carla and Bex. So, Paula, what would you do if you had a million dollars? See, and these answers are so different from when we were younger and we first watched this movie. Pay off my mortgage, pay off my sister's bills, pay off my dad's bills, and then my husband and I are going on as long of a vacation as I can take. <laughs> Road trip across America so I can hit all 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii. Then we're doing the European vacation. <laughs> probably a cruise. You know, all those all those things we want to do, and we're probably going to blow through the entire million dollars, so I'm still going to have to work. So I'll probably be a little yeah. bitter about it by the end. <laughs> But I'll enjoy know, it on the I journey. Almost upped, I almost upped the amount, but I was like, no, since they say a million, we're going to go with a million. We're going to stick with a million. You yeah. wouldn't have to yeah. eat craft dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but you still would. Of course. Of course, of course you would. <laughs> we just eat more. <laughs> okay, so Tanya, what would you all night. What would you do? Wow, yeah, it's uh this is kind of sad, but I'd probably do nothing like Peter um for a little while. And then I would do I would do what I do now. I love teaching and I love I don't know, I'm happy. I feel kind of bad about it. No, I'd probably like, you know, of course it'd be nice to have money for things like getting the carpet out of my bathroom. Who puts carpet in a bathroom? It definitely yeah. was designed by Lumberg or whoever did in a tech stuff. Cause <laughs> Yeah, I would I would do that. I honestly I've always thought about if I ever had enough money that this made sense. I would love to do um, scholarships for our students at my community college or I would create some kind of a scholarship uh, fund or endowment. Yeah. Yeah. Super nerdy. No, it's awesome. buy everybody a copy of the Communist Manifesto <laughs> and make them Start a revolution. do a book club. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carla is, has a plan, very specific, 20% to charities that directly help underserved communities, 15% each to my sisters and mom, so for 45% total, and set aside 20% for Tiny's future needs and pay off the mortgage and travel. Yeah, I just want to be clear. If anybody wants to give me money, I will take it. I need money. It's not like I, I don't want to sound too. like I look don't. At, look at Miss yeah. Happy in her yeah. job no, over no. here. I'm happy in my job <laughs> because I get to talk at people and they can't leave. Um, but it's kind of like this. I No, they can leave this. So anyway, but yeah, you get it. So anyway, mm -hmm. if you got a cool million, give it to Aaron uh, for the podcast. Okay. Yeah. And Bex would pay off debt and help family with that, pay for siblings to go to college and a down payment on a brownstone. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would, I'd, I'd pay off debt. I'd pay off my mom's debt. I would pay off my sister's debt. Um, and then I would want, you know, here in Colorado, it's really hard to buy. I mean, I rent, so I don't buy, I don't have, I don't have the home ownership thing, which is a whole other thing that you can talk about of, of the way that you can make people feel like crap when they don't have that thing. But I, it's really hard here to buy anything that is like worth anything anymore in Colorado. Colorado is way too dang expensive. So I would say I'd buy a place, but it'd be pretty hard to do that. But I would want to build a studio, a really good studio uh, for the podcast. Cause I would never, if I was given enough money where I wouldn't have to have another job, like, you know, my mom said the other day, she said, you know, your other job is actually your second job. Your podcast is your first job. I think you should look at it that way. And I really appreciate it. <laughs> so, because I, if I could only do this, I would only do this. I love doing this. If I could do this, 
as my main job and I could do this as a main source of income in a heartbeat. You know, if there was a, if I could do that and just have everything else secured and be able to do it, I would, I would never give this up. So, you know, so I guess that kind of tells you what, <laughs> what I would want to do with my life. So yes, yes. I just thought of something else. <laughs> And I can't believe I forgot this. I would totally buy a 67 Impala and have it restored. <laughs> I would go. absolutely buy my husband his dream car, which is a, as a, I think it's a 72 Corvette. Like, yeah. Oh, I would, I would go on my dream uh, trip is to take a road trip, a music road trip. And so just going to very, yeah, I'd visit you too, Matt. but <laughs> there's music in Wisconsin. <laughs> But just going to places that have some kind Olga of musical, music, <laughs> some kind of musical relevance, and you know that that would be that's my dream road trip, and I love road trips, so that would be uh, the trip that I would take, and then I would go overseas because I've never been outside of the country, so I would definitely want to do that too. So yeah, you should say that, Tanya. <laughs> I should say it. Yeah, yeah, I was being obnoxious. I in the, so we have a private chat and I've been being obnoxious this whole time. But I said, uh, you know, what we could do with a million dollars is uh, if the 90s have taught me nothing, it's that a million dollars will get you one night with Demi Moore. And, Redford will fight you for it. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember this movie? Yes. I feel yes. like I've seen it and I'm just a decent proposal. Yeah. Mm hmm. It was, yeah. It was awful. But anyway, I mean, I don't think it was a good movie. I'm just like, uh, but okay. Yeah. I just had to throw that in there. Sorry. I had to make you say that. I mean, um, so yes, I want an electric car too. That would be mm -hmm. another thing. I want to buy something electric or at least a hybrid, something like that. Yeah, definitely. For sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, luckily my car is paid off. So that wouldn't be one of the debts I'd have to pay off, but you know, well, this is amazing. We're at the one hour and 20 minute mark and we are done. <laughs> I think this miracle. is a record. This First is, time we is, haven't talked is... about a movie for longer than the movie ran. <laughs> That's, That's true. true. Yeah. I, and I, I just want to say high five to my whole panel. This is the, sh I mean, our Empire Records episode was pretty short. It was like an hour and a half or 40 minutes before editing. This is amazing. So this is going to be, wow, Meg, I think. I think Meg, I'm gonna I'm gonna single you out here because this is incredible to have you on a podcast. So high five to you, biggest of high fives to this Meg. This is what happens when I'm <laughs> sick for a week and I'm just I got barely enough energy to to no, sh just, shamble my corpse onto a desk chair. So thank you everyone so much. This has been a lot of fun. I love this movie. I have loved these weeks. I cannot wait for our next episode. I'm so dang excited. So I'm glad that we're going to start doing this because even though I watch TV a lot more than I used to, movies are my first love between movies and television. So this is just a blast. And I love this movie so dang much. I never get tired of it. I still laugh every single time. So thank you everyone for joining me. So I'm going to go around and have everybody say where they can be found and where their podcast can be found, Meg. Uh, yeah, you can find my podcast on the Twitter at my well, podcast with Carla, of course, my better half, um, on the Twitter at Bedwed Behead Pod. 
You can find us on Instagram at bed.wed.behead.pod. You can find us on the other blue social media thing at bedwetterbeheadpod. Uh, my personal social, you can find me on the Twitter at WisconsinAC, which is W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. Awesome. Blame Carla, yeah. as always. So, Paula, where can they find you? Um, so, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at It's My Sandbox. Awesome. Hopefully, Tanya will be back on the same. <laughs> there she is, just in time. Just in time to have her where she can. Yay! <laughs> I keep doing something because I keep clicking the wrong. It's just, it's, I'm, I don't know what my problem is tonight, but um, you can find me in the boiler room looking for cake with Milton. Um, no, you can find me on Twitter. I, that's what you, I'm ready to yes, go. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yes. Do it. Okay. At AK. You're ready to go, Tanya. I was in the middle of a story, but that's fine. You can no, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> You can find me in the club. No, you can find me um, at AK Nerdfighting, A-K-N and F are capital on the Twitter. And I'll probably be talking about the Watch this pirate space show. for amazing so, cosplay yeah. of Steed. Yeah, I gotta, I'm going to do the, the mutton chops and all yes. that, but I got to, I got to, we're going to work <laughs> on it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. Go to our website at it's which is just it's a fandom thing pod.com. And if you want to be a potential interview guest on the show, Ron Livingston, you want to come and chat with us for a while. I would love to talk with you. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious about that, but yeah, or, or anyone from this cast, if you want to have a reunion, we put that out to the Empire Records cast, if, and that goes to the Days and Fuse cast, well, I, I don't know if I want some of those people on, but I'm putting that out there, that if any of the cast from any of these movies want to come on and do a reunion on this show, you can either email us at itsafandomthingpod at gmail.com, or go to our website, itsafandomthingpod.com, hit the contact us button there, and, you know, we'll reach out to you and that'll be a ton of fun. Okay. So on our next episode, podcast episode, we are going to be talking about pump up the volume. And I have to say of the four that we are talking about, this is my favorite. This is the one I'm the most excited about. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. Number one, this is the very first podcast. No one can argue with me about this. This was the very first podcast. Happy Harry Hard on. So I'm very, very excited to be talking about this. This movie is so dang good. I'm so, this movie is just exceptional. It holds up so well. And it's the most Gen X of all the ones we're talking about. The music is phenomenal, which is part of the reason why you couldn't find it anywhere streaming for forever. So the rights to it. But it's on HBO Max. All the same music is in there. They didn't change anything. So we are going to be releasing that episode on Friday. And we're also Friday night at... This coming Friday night, the what, the fifteenth, we are going to be doing a live tweet for Pump Up the Volume. That's starting at seven PM Mountain, so that's six Pacific, eight Central, nine Eastern. So join us for that as well. But then for our next live stream next Saturday, April sixteenth, join my Finn crew. Uh, unfortunately, Aaron A won't be there, but we have a new addition to our Finn crew, Chrissy, who is joining us on all our American Horror Story episodes. 
We are going to be talking about Ratchet, and this is the first part of our Ryan Murphy journey revisit. So we are going to be doing that as a live stream at the same time as this one, so 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And you will hear a lot of gushing about Finn Whitrock on this episode, okay? It's just going to happen. His performance is absolutely astonishing in this. And yes, we'll also be gushing about his body in this as well. So, because that's also astonishing. <laughs> I did that just to see Meg's reaction. I'm just like, that's that's a lot of, maybe everybody should buy an extra roll of Bounty because it sounds like there's a lot of- Get some ShamWows ready. Like- so yeah, so that'll be kicking off the Ryan Murphy thing. So pump up the volumes the next episode. And then our next live stream, of course, is Ratchet. So that will be actually that's gonna I'm I'm so looking forward to that. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.